there is a copy of the Bible there in uh, the seat in front of you, but we'll look at these 11 verses in 2 Samuel chapter number 6 and then also some of the corresponding passages. This is an interesting story, it, uh, uh, but we'll get into it here in just a moment. But for way of background, let's begin reading. You listen as I read, please. Verse number 1, again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel. Now notice this number now, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Valley of Judah to bring up from thence the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drave the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God, and Ahio went before the ark. David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps and on psalteries and on timbrels and on cornets and on cymbals. You see the setting is almost, we would call this a parade. And it is the ark of, the, ark of uh, God being brought out. And it was of great significance to the people of God, to the nation of Israel. And David is present. Now, the Bible says in verse number 6, And when they came to Nahon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. And God smote him there for his error. And there he died by the ark of God. How many of you have ever read that and thought, why did he kill him? You want, seriously, come on. You know, it's like, yeah, it seems like he was trying to do the right thing. How many of you have thought that? Come on. Okay. Now, may, may I remind us of this? The Bible says, shall not the judge of all the earth do right. God doesn't make mistakes. God is always right. But sometimes... Things don't make total sense to our way of thinking. Well, with the Lord's help, I think we'll see maybe uh, some answers in that and certainly some of David's thoughts as this event unfolded. Verse 8 says, And David, who, who, by the way, was the man after God's own heart, David was displeased. So your reaction, your response, would not have been out of line with the man after God's own heart, right? David was displeased. Because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How shall the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him into the city of David, but David carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Lord, would you bless now in our time again together tonight? Would you please help us? And Lord, we ask that your will would be accomplished. Guide and direct our word. We have been on this for, oh, I don't know, maybe six or eight, I don't know, maybe six or eight messages on David's journey through the Psalms. Tonight is a little bit different as we're moving through. And uh, this one, if we... uh, Hey, let's, let's, let's pray one more time. Lord, please help us. So we ask that you would indeed guide and direct our words and thoughts. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. This one, if I, if I chose a title, and I always want to be careful, but if I chose a title, it might be, What's God Doing? 
because this scene as it unfolds, a lot of times if if you've read this at any point, you've you stopped. You've uh, you didn't know Uzzah, but you wonder what kind of guy was he. It seemed like he was trying to do the right thing. But I think there are several elements here, just in way of background, to to, to kind of lay the uh, lay the background, if you would, uh, for us. I want to draw your attention, first of all, to Numbers chapter 4, verse 15. Now, we're going back to when God started talking about holy things. And that was the the ark was a holy thing. When Aaron and his sons had made an end of covering the sanctuary and all the vessels of the sanctuary as the camp is to set forward, because remember, it was a mobile church, really. It was like Timberline was started. It was packed up every week, and they took it on their journey. Remember, the the wilderness was a journey that was supposed to take a few weeks, and it wound up taking 40 years. That's why it's referenced as the church in the wilderness. They never did have a home, okay? It's why David so, so yearned to build a house for the Lord. And, but nonetheless, as the camp is to set forward, after that the sons of Koash shall come to bear it, but they shall not touch any holy thing lest they die. These things are the burden of the sons of Koath in the tabernacle of the congregation. So God very clearly said these things that are holy, that are designed and set apart for my service and for my use, I have some very specific rules about them. Now, to not digress too much, because I I, I would hope we can finish this, this one tonight, but we may not be able to. But first of all, the Bible does say that certain things are holy. God says you are when you become a child of God. He said that. You're a holy people. You're a royal priesthood. So that, that kind of, when you understand how, how much God thought about the ark, a crafted device used for God's purpose and glory, And he calls you holy when you become a child of God. What do you think God feels about you messing with you? That's why sometimes people will say, well, it's my life. And God says, it's not your life. Sometimes people say, it's my body. That's a common rallying cry from some people on the other side of the aisle, so to speak. God says, no. In fact, God says, you're not your own. You have been bought with a price. So we understand, and again, this is all background. It's going to make sense as we get to it. So we understand that the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark here, this was, this was holy. It was used for God's purpose. We, we, we could speak much about it, but we won't for sake of time. But God says the same thing about you. He says, you're holy. So that's why you better be careful how you live your life, what you do. Very, very important. And we could preach an entire message on that, but I won't tonight. God also says your money's holy. Did you know that? God said that tithe that some, some do not give, God said, I set that apart for me. Do you, you realize how serious it is when, when God's people, and I'm not preaching on tithing, but do you realize how serious it is when God's people don't tithe? 
It's not a little thing. It's not, well, it's just my financial situation right now. That's not, that's not the way God views it. In fact, God just killed this guy over not understanding how serious holy is to God. And so when, when I, and I try to say it every week when we take the offering, the tithe is the Lord's, it is holy unto the Lord. Holy is a word we don't use very much because we, we have kind of drifted. By the way, it is a Bible term, but we've kind of drifted away from it. And we don't talk much about holiness, but God does. He is holy, and He expects us to be as well. And so He says, you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. You are a holy people. God says that about His, his children. He says it about our our finances, about our tithing. And I'm not, I'm not picking on anybody tonight because to be honest with you, I don't even know who tithes, who doesn't. I, I, could, I, I could not tell you who in this church tithes and who does not tithe. I can tell you we do, and that's all I can tell you. I don't want to know what people give, okay? So I, I don't get into all of that. But I know that every one of us is going to give an account to the Lord one day. And so God says, this is holy. Now, all that in background, it's important for us to understand that. Our, our life, our possessions, our tithe, all that has been consecrated. By the way, the, the, that piano is holy. You say, why? Because it's been set apart for God's use. Those chairs, they're holy chairs. Do you understand that? Now, I'm going somewhere with this. So under, for instance, if somebody, if one of the uh, someplace down the road and said, hey, we're gonna, we're, we, we got a club and we need a piano and we'll give you a thousand bucks if you can let us use that for one day. Well, I couldn't do that. You say, well, pastor, call me. They can have mine for 500. Because first of all, this isn't mine. See, God's money bought this for God's use. You say, why is that significant? I'm, I'm going to get to it in a moment. Because I think there are some reasons that as, as this story unfolds that we may not be aware of. First of all, notice in, in verse, oh, let's see which one it is. I think it's uh, verse number three. Can we find that? I've got a lot of verses up here, so forgive me for that. But I think it's verse three. The Bible says, and they set the ark of God upon a new cart. That was not the original cart. And there's a lot of speculation. Why did they want a new cart? Why did they need a new cart? Someone might have said, well, some have said, well, possibly the cart that was carrying it before was that it was wearing out. Listen, whatever God wants to take care of, God can take care of. God can protect it. And I think in this particular case, that might be one of the questions. Uh, Second thing is God had given specific instructions on how the ark was to be cared for. He said... You can't touch it. Even when you think you're doing the right thing, you cannot go against the Word of God and expect to be able to skirt by. But I'm not questioning his motives. I don't know what his heart or his intent was, but I know this. Even though he, and we know David, the man after God's own heart, the psalmist of Israel, we know that David was displeased. If we we were to use our language today, it ticked David off. In fact, he got so angry, he stopped the parade and left the ark there and said, I'm not bringing it back 
I'm not bringing it back. Now, after a period of time, we know he does. And Obed-Edom, his house is blessed because the Ark of the God, the Ark of the Covenant was there. Um, and, and, and so we know that. But David was so displeased, so put off by the whole setting there, that he changed the name of that place and said, the ark's going to stay here. I'm not, I'm not coming to get it. I don't want anything to do with it. But God said, I've got some very specific rules and patterns and guidelines. So, number one, we see maybe one of the, one of the questions or issues that God may have had at that moment was that it was a new cart. Secondly, is the conditions that he had given for the handling of it had been violated. He said, don't touch it. <clears throat> He said, don't touch it, but it's falling. He said, don't touch it, but it's going to break. He said, don't touch it, but it's going to, it's going to smash to pieces when it hits the, the trail and the rocky terrain. He said, don't touch it. See, God doesn't mix words. See, we're so used to it in our lifetime. When we hear instructions, we think they're suggestions. But God deals with real commands do this, don't do that. And that's one of the settings that's happening here. So a new cart could have been a possibility. Secondly, God had given specific instructions. Another thing that I want us to consider is the Bible says in verse number three, and they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah. And Uzzah and Ohio, the sons of Benadab, drave the new cart. There are some scholars who suspicion that possibly because the Ark of the Covenant had been in their house for some time, they'd grown complacent with it. Because they almost, now hear me now, this is a dangerous thing for us as God's people, they almost viewed it as theirs. Do you know if you're not careful, you can become proprietary about things. You really can. Okay, uh, I'll use a, a vehicle. Every vehicle out there that belongs to Timberline Baptist Church is the property of Timberline Baptist Church. It's to be used for God's glory. We understand that. There's a lot of ways that happens. It transports our children, activities, um, picks up people who couldn't otherwise come to church, a lot of those things, all of those things. But if you ever get to the place where you start feeling ownership to anything that belongs to God, you're in a danger zone. And I, it's possible. I'm not saying it's the case, but there are some Bible scholars whose who suspicion that maybe Uzzah had grown so complacent to that particular ark that had been dwelling in their home for a period of time, and they got used to it. It became casual. It became part of, the, you know, and hey, it's the ark. And it lost some of the holy aspect of it in the mind, I'm not saying it did, of Uzzah and his brother. But for whatever reason, sometimes us in, in, in church, things can kind of be relegated and it, we, we kind of just get used to it. By the way, church should never be something you just get used to. That's oh, just church. Really? Oh, it's just a chair. It's just this, it's, it's just the microphone, it's just the pulpit, it's just the piano, it's just the carpet, it's just the floors, it's just the bathroom. No, no, no. Everything here ought to be viewed in a... By the way, can you imagine if every child of God viewed everything in ministry, in church, in light of, this belongs to Him. 
Let me ask you this. Would you treat it any differently? Because I think that may be one of the great lessons from this particular story. Again, I'm not trying to read into what happened here. And then the the last thing, uh, again, we mentioned a new cart, specific instructions for the handling of it. Third thing, the ark had been in their house for some period of time, and perhaps they they got casual with it. And uh, it's very important to not mistake the things of God for, for our own things. And then the fourth thing is this, the ark didn't fall. The Bible only says the cart stumbled. It didn't say the ark was going to fall. You say, why is that significant? It was God's ark. If he wanted it to fall, if he wanted it to be destroyed, make a new one, he did it before with the Ten Commandments. I think he could do it again with the ark. You say, why is that important? Because sometimes we insert ourselves into the work of God, claiming to do God's work. I'm not picking on this guy, because obviously it displeased Uzzah, or displeased David. And I got to tell you, every time I've read it, I'm still, seems like a good guy, trying to do the right thing. But God said, not my way. That's not how I operate. And that's very important for us to understand when it comes to the work and the will and the way of God. Now, David leaves the ark for a period of months. So what does he, what does he do? What does he, he's he's got to be thinking, man, I don't even know what to think about God right now. I'm just, I'm just saying perhaps David. I mean, I, I don't know, you know, I... I want to trust him. I know he's been my deliverer. I know he's bailed me out, and I, I know he delivered my enemy into my hand, and I, I know that he's rescued me, he's spared me, and I know he delivered Goliath into my hand. I know all of those things have happened. But I just don't know right now. And sometimes in life, you might feel that way about God. So we're going to look over at some verses in Psalm 68, and I want to draw your attention to a few of those. And uh, Psalm 68, let me, let me turn to, see if I can find it here. This psalm, the 68th psalm, is said to be one that was written parallel to this story of Uzzah being, being killed by God. It's a lengthy psalm, so I'm going to look at several passages that make it very clear what David understood and expressed. The Lord gave the word. Now, this is often used for Bible printing and publishers and all that, and I think it's certainly applicable here. But think about the setting. God just killed a man in David's presence for doing what David thought was the right thing to be doing. And one of the things David observed, the Lord gave the word, and great was the company of those that published it. And I think the very first thought is this, very, very easily. Let me, let me find my points here, see if I can pull it up. And that is this, God's word is the only opinion that ever matters. He said, listen, one thing I understand, I'm writing this psalm right now, God's word is the only opinion that matters. You say, why is that important? I've told you before, I can't tell you how many times people ask me, Pastor, what's your opinion on this? And it makes it so easy when I I don't have to say, I, I don't have an opinion on it. And sometimes they seem relieved, but it's usually because I can say, because God already has one. You know, if somebody asked me, you know, uh, there's been a lot of comment recently about Buttigieg and, and, his, and his husband, okay, running for office. And I'm not a hate monger. I'm no better than either of those guys. You understand that. I'm a sinner that ought to be in hell, okay? I'm not distinguishing. But I don't have to, someone will say, well, do you have an opinion about two men being married? No. 
I don't. You say, why? Because I don't have to have an opinion. Because God already has an opinion on that. In the beginning, God created man. Male and female created he them. It was God's way. It was God's plan. You say, is that mean? No, but it, it takes me totally off the hook. I don't have to say, well, you're just saying that. Because... No, no, I'm just saying it because God said it. And if God has an opinion, of... by the way, that's no excuse to be unkind. It's no excuse to be mean and harsh because I, 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 don't believe, I don't believe that for one moment. I'll tell you this, God loves Mayor Pete, as they call him, every bit as much as he does this guy right here. He doesn't love me anymore because I'm a Christian and I'm a pastor of a church than he does him. Not for one moment. Don't, don't ever, because if you think, well, you must think you're something. No, I don't. You're, you're missing my point. My point is this. If God has an opinion on a matter, that's the only opinion that matters. So David sees this happen. He's, he ponders it. It displeases him so much so, they stop the instruments, they stop the parade, and he leaves the ark there in the house of Obed-Edom, and he walks away, and one of the things that he says, God's word on the matter is the only opinion that matters. I know what I thought, I know what I observed, and it didn't make sense to me, but at the end of the day, God's opinion is the only one that matters. And when it, when it comes to, you know, and I, I, obviously I'm, I'm thinking those things political, uh, because that's, uh, man, it's all over the place now, particularly with the, uh, uh, you know, the Iowa uh, caucus. By the way, those same people did not do our uh, planning center app, just in case you're wondering. So some of you didn't even get that, and that's okay too. But uh, so we're coming off the heels of that, then New Hampshire, and I know they're, they're getting ready to head to uh, South Carolina, and then Super Tuesday will be down the road and all of that. And so people are talking about stances on certain things. But I don't have to, opinion, I don't have, to have an opinion about things the Bible's very clear on. I don't have to have an opinion. And you might, you might disagree and you might argue and say, well, this is what I feel. But everybody that was standing there when Uzzah was killed by God, and he was, the Bible says the Lord smote him and he died right then and there. Everybody that was there thought that was the wrong thing. And some of us still, even today, we scratch our head, but David had enough sense to take a step back and say, listen, I mean, I, I mean, I understand it, but the word of the Lord is the only word that really matters. And at the end of the day, by, by the way, for a child of God, it really kinds of, uh, the Bible, when the Bible says the truth will set you free, we talk about that in context of a lot of things. But it does set you free and anybody's saying, well, that's just your opinion. No, it's not because I don't have an opinion about it. I don't have to have an opinion about that because God's word is already clear. And either I accept God's word or I do what the Bible talks about in the New Testament, they rest, rest. We get our word wrestle to means to grapple or to twist or to contort the Word of God. Because if you don't like something that's in the Word of God, what you do is you change it. That's what's happened for the last, uh, particularly in recent decades, but for a number of years, even beyond that. Uh, we talk about it, something as simple as a, a song. Do you realize the editors of those songbooks for years have been changing the lyrics because, because the way the original writers wrote them was a little too biblical. And see, now we use Bibles that don't use those old words, like redeemed, like repent, like command. But see, those are words that are easy to understand. And so when God's Word says something, we have to, we have to understand and we have to submit. When David said, I know one thing, 
the Lord gave the word. And at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. Secondly, skipping down a few verses, Psalm 68, verse 19, blessed be the Lord who daily loaded us with benefits, even the God of our salvation, Selah. Wait just a second. You just witnessed this terrible thing happening, and you're pausing to remember how good God's been to you. You say, why? Because it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter the season or the setting in life. Every one of us can pause. You, you know, we sing the song, count your many blessings, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. But most of us don't do that. We hear that song, and it's nice from time to time when you sing it in the church. But the fact is, most of the time, we think about it at Thanksgiving, right? And Thanksgiving, by the way, thanks, thankful, thankfulness, Thanksgiving, occurs well over 100 times in the Bible. It is so clearly commanded from Genesis to Revelation. God wants us to be thankful people. But why is it so much so that typically we've got a, we've got a small season, and now with the commercialization of holidays and all, Thanksgiving is kind of just, you know, you've got, I mean, Halloween they start... Uh, and by the way, that's not a biblical holiday, just in case you're wondering. I want to make sure you don't get me confused here. Okay, so they start promoting that August or maybe earlier, and then boom, you, you know, there'll be a few autumn-type colors and some, you know, you could buy a corn husk or a stalk of corn or a bale of hay for about a week, you know, unless you go to Hobby Lobby, you know, and they'll, they'll have, have it maybe a little bit longer. Um, but, uh, but then, uh, boom, you're right into Christmas. And Thanksgiving gets, uh, uh, you know, like nothing. And the Lord never did say, remember his birth, by the way. And I'm not, don't get me wrong. Some of you say, man, pastor, you're really a downer tonight. I love Christmas. I do. But, but remember, God said, be thankful, be thankful, be thankful. And yet so many times, the only time we do it is that little bit of a season in November where we talk about Thanksgiving. And so let me, let me encourage you to do this, even when the unthinkable has happened in your presence or it's happened to you or to someone you know, don't ever stop saying this. He said, blessed be the Lord. Now notice this, this is an unusual expression, who daily loadeth, loadeth. Now I think of loadeth, I, I'm thinking loaded baked potato. Now, it's the first thing that comes to my mind. Maybe you, maybe you don't think that. And you know, a lot of my illustrations have to do with sports and food, so forgive me. But uh, you, you know, loaded, or I'm thinking animal style if you go to uh, In-N-Out, and they've been on my heart today, uh, truly. Um, so loaded, that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking. But, but David uses this expression. He said, blessed be God, the Lord, who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. He said, listen, he said, I have to remind myself, even though I've just witnessed this most un- unbelievable thing. Can you imagine being there when that happened? Here's a parade. You got drums, you got music, you got, everything's happening. And, and this is awesome. They're bringing the ark back to the city and everybody's rejoicing at the presence of God and, and the oxen stumble, not the cart, the oxen stumble. Uzzah puts his hand up, boom, he dies. Music stops. David's terrified. The Bible says he, he feared God at that moment. But he at least had enough sense when he stepped back, because he does go back to retrieve the ark. And he says this, He daily loadeth us with benefits. You say, why is that significant? Because sometimes all you ever see is the storm. Sometimes all you ever see is the problem. 
Sometimes all you ever see is the adversity. And, it, and by the way, it may not be in your life. This wasn't in David's life. Now, David's going to face plenty of them. Some of his own doing, we understand that. But David is watching this happen to this man and his family. And he see, they've been the caretakers, if you will, of the ark. And now he's lost his life by seemingly trying to do the right thing. And David said, I, I, I still can't forget how good God's been. Where does, that, where does that attitude come from? Where does it come from when Paul is in prison, in jail, and he's singing? You know? I mean, just where does that, where does that thinking, that spirituality, if you will, come from? Because it's very easy to sit there in the midst of all of those problems and say, man, I don't know about God. I don't know why God allowed that to happen. I don't know why God took that man's life. He was seemingly doing the right thing. And by the way, God never does owe any of us an explanation for anything that he does. I say this from time to time, but never forget, if God never answered another one of your prayers or mine, he has been better to us than we'd ever deserve. Ever. I remember when God was, you know, and... Lauren and Kristen and Amanda were, were praying with us every day so much for Rebecca. And Lauren spent a lot of time with Rebecca because they were, they were the closest in terms of age. But I, I remember when all of that was happening and, and God gave us the miracle of healing, when the doctor said she likely wouldn't survive. And I remember saying to the Lord, Lord, you've been so good in this. If you never did another thing for me, you've still been better to me than I'd ever deserved. And now you may not have some huge thing that you can throw out there, but the fact is, a lot of times in life, you need to take a step back. Because even when you see something like this happen, you think, that just doesn't make sense to me. I just don't get it. Here's a guy who was looking after the ark. It was in his house. He and his dad and his brother were caring for it. We've come to pick it up and take it back into the city. Band's playing. All kinds of music, everybody's singing, praise the Lord, this is awesome. For whatever reason, the ark, the oxen, stumble. And so in one moment, one man makes a decision, and everybody else is terrified now. What did he do? What did he do? And David said, well, first of all, don't you ever forget that God's opinion is the only opinion that matters. And secondly, God is daily blessing His people. Don't ever forget that. I I don't know what, uh, we sing the song from time time to time. I don't know about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. And I don't know what will happen tomorrow. I don't know what will happen tonight. I don't know what will happen next week, next month, next year. I, I don't have any idea. But I know this, God's still good. You as a child of God are loaded with benefits. Loaded. Sometimes people talk, well, what kind of benefits you got? Hey, I'm a child of God. Well, yeah, what kind of My benefits package is out of this world. Some of you didn't get that. That's okay. All right? You're tired. That's all right. But it really is. And I know that God has been very good to me, no matter what happens. And you have to take those steps back from time to time and say, well, first of all, I know this. 
and I'll be done. I've got a, I've got a bunch more points, but I'm going I'm to stop for the night because my wife's in the nursery. And I want to be good to her because she daily loaded, loaded me with benefits too. But I want to say this. David observed the first thing he said was, I know God's word is the only opinion that matters. You see, it doesn't really matter what you and I think about anything. What does God say? And then the second thing that he observes is, no matter what's going on, God is and has been very, very good to me. I'm not talking about last week, last month. Oh, yeah, he did something for me last week. Daily loadeth us with benefits and blessing. You got problems? Yes. You got burdens? Yes. You got heartaches? Yes. Disappointments? Yes. Blessings? Oh, yeah. More than you could ever count. So don't stop counting those blessings just because you see something that makes you scratch your head about what God might have done. Because God's opinion is the only opinion that matters. And shall not the judge of all the earth do right? God always, always, always does right, even if it doesn't make sense to anybody else. Shall we stand?